you've done podcasts before, right, Chris? No. What? This is your first one? Really? First okay. ever. Wow. Hello and welcome to Make It, Move It, Sell It. On this podcast, I talk with company leaders about how they're modernizing the business of making, moving, and selling products. And of course, having fun along the way. I'm your host, Adam Honig, the CEO of Spiro.ai. We make amazing AI software for companies in the supply chain, but we're not talking about that today. Instead, today, we're talking with Chris Piper, the president and CEO of Grandstand, likely the best provider of branding and product solutions for the craft beverage business and beyond. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. Yeah, exciting to have you here. Maybe we can start with um, the making part of things and and tell us a little bit about uh, what do you guys make? Yeah, well, um, we're a printer, actually. Uh, we print glassware, apparel, uh, and then we sell a lot of uh, promotional items as well. Uh, started out as a screen printer in apparel and quickly moved into containers, which eventually led to glassware, which eventually led to the brewery industry. It's been a, a great market for us to focus and capitalize on, and, and we've been lucky with uh, fantastic growth over the years and a great market. Of course, everybody knows what craft beer is now. Back in the uh, early 90s, they didn't. So we've been fortunate with that uh, growth as well. And wh- why do craft breweries need their own you know, special things? Like what, what's going we, on with that? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's interesting, when you, Adam, when you take a look at craft breweries, are they a restaurant or are they a brewery? Uh, and, and most of them kind of straddle the line for both. So branding is, is really important, I think, for craft beer, because branding, of course, is important with a lot of companies, but restaurants really don't focus on it as much sometimes. We, we have some great restaurant accounts, don't get me wrong, but uh, there's fewer restaurants capitalize on branding than breweries. And breweries, you know, they want to drive that culture. They want to drive that brand. They want to drive people understanding that, that they exist and, and why they exist, a lot of catchy names. And, and so, um, you know, it's a great market for us because we did both apparel and glassware, and they need both. And so, you know, glassware was kind of an entry vehicle for us in the market because there's not that much competition in glass. It's, a, it's it, When it comes to screen printing, it's a very specific type of decoration method, uh, whereas apparel you probably know three or four people that do apparel, right? Or know somebody who knows somebody or there's a place down the block because apparel is a lot easier to do. So you really have to develop that relationship, I think, first and that expertise. And that's what we've tried to do, both the glassware and apparel side. It's interesting. When you said you're in the printing business, I don't think of printing on glass. You know, I I think of that's uh, just something different. I don't know. Well, most people think printing business is is paper stock, which it is. It's, a, it's another another type of method. Glassware kind of straddles print stock, paper stock versus apparel because of the technologies. And really, the technology in glassware is all about how you get the the item itself to the print method. Because apparel is flat on a board, you print screen print it. Glassware is round; it's tapered. There's different shapes, different sizes. And that's a very difficult thing to do with screen printing. And then you add the new component, which everybody obviously knows and talks about now is digital. So digital, no question you do digital on paper. Well, digital's just now coming to the point that it's on apparel. And that's because of the graininess of the fabric doesn't hold the dots of digital as well. And then you throw in glassware and now the glass is able to hold the digital. But how do you get the print on to the glass because of the shape and the taper. We were one of the first uh, companies in the U.S. That, in our market to uh, focus on on digital. 
and really it's a it's a means of driving the glass to the decoration method but the the results are phenomenal i mean you can do anything in digital uh, anything that you conceive in your mind you can see on your computer screen you're going to be able to do on, on digital glass but there's still issues with how that adheres to the glass and things along that line so more technology in it and more uh, nuances than people think in screen printing. It's not that tough of a world, but when you add all the variables up, uh, it gets uh, it gets pretty exciting. Gotcha, gotcha. So t- tell me, what's an example of something that's digital on a glass that I wouldn't expect, like a picture? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, you you could do uh, you could do a picture. I was just looking on my desk. I uh, one year was thinking about people sending in their Christmas card and and having it uh, decorated on a glass, and I did that with a, a postcard of my kids. So you could do something like that. But when you t- you start talking about digital to glass, you can't just take a photograph and immediately goes to the glass. You have to color correct it. And so there becomes these scale issues when you deal with that. So we generally will run larger runs on digital because you do the color correction and now you have some capacity to run on it. But um, a big, big market in digital right now is retail. And retail glassware boomed during COVID because everybody's home, they're buying home decor, candles, things along that line. And so digital is a great medium uh, for that market, because you can take anything, anything that you can draw uh, and illustrations are, are kind of the best thing for digital, because now you're not dealing with the photography components of something, mm-hmm. but you do an illustration and you can put that on the glass. Um, one of our big customers is a artist who does trout, different types of trout, the uh, the rainbow, brown, uh, brookie. Uh, and they sell the glasses. She, she takes her her artistic renderings and then we transfer that to digital, put that on a glass, and she sells that to Orvis. So um, you're able to take a, an artistic component and be able to get it on digital and then get it on glass. Whereas if you had to do that spot color, you could never do it. So, so you started off in more of a traditional print business and sort of evolved over time to be more you know, different mediums, different technologies. What do you see coming up next? Good question. I think I think the the push for digital will continue uh, in the market because you know one of the one of the toughest things about screen printing is the screen itself. What's well, a big cost component in, in what you're doing? You have to you have to shoot a screen for each color. It's very time consuming. Uh, then you have to make sure that all these colors line up. So digital, you bypass that. You don't have to have film. You go straight to the press. You have this uh, artwork stored on the press, so you don't have all these other cost inputs in. And then scale doesn't really matter as much at digital because you can print one piece uh, in the same amount of time as you could print 50 times that one piece. So you mm-hmm. don't have that setup. In our world, setup time is, is a big cost driver. Uh, somebody orders uh, 48 T-shirts. It takes the same amount of time to set up that 48 T-shirts as if I were to run it 100,000 pieces. Mm-hmm. So digital is something that will continue because digital right now in our business and apparel and, screen and glass is really at the infancy of how you get the uh, the decoration to the medium and how, how the medium holds it because of wash, uh, wear, those type of things. So digital for, will really be the, the driver for the next 15, 20 years in our market, I think, as far as what it can do. Now, the exciting thing, though, Adam, about that is if we have a new machine coming, and again, it will be the first of its kind in the U.S. that will now add a, a third layer to it, which is a third dimension, which is height. So we'll be able to digitally print on a glass and it can be raised. So let's say you have a mountain scene and you want to have these mountains pop out on the glass. You could, we could digitally enhance that so that there's actually a texture 
on the glass. So think of an embossed glass where you, yeah. you go and, and you have that, you feel that texture on the glass. Sure. We could actually print that digitally. We could make it look like embossed and clear, or we could print that with colors, a rainbow of colors, whatever. So we think this is going to be a huge driver, uh, really adds that uh, value add to the glass where you've got this texture on the glass that you feel, which traditionally in the past has always been through a mold, which tra- traditionally means hundreds of thousands of pieces. Well, now you can do it at 48 pieces. You can do it at 144 pieces. So this, we're excited about that technology and it'll, it'll be here uh, first of January for us. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds really exciting. I'm kind of getting this, you know, idea in my mind that craft breweries, you know, competing with people like Budweiser or, you know, other big brewers, like they have to differentiate, they have to have a Absolutely. different strategy. And yep. so this is all ways of doing that. And by having lower requirements for the number of pieces that they need to order, it can just really explode the creativity for them. Absolutely. And if you're a craft brew person, you know that creativity is at the forefront of what they do, right? I mean, yeah. who would have thought... 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, that craft brew in America would supplant European beer. And it's because the Europeans do it one way, one way always. They, they yep. have this one way, and Americans are out there trying to throw cucumbers in it, rutabaga, whatever, you know, and making a beer out of it. So creativity is a huge aspect of this business. But the, the craft brew market is fantastic for us. Uh, we're excited as well of, of expanding our reach and, and get coming outside of the craft brew as, as our, con, our company continues to grow. But craft beer will always be at the roots of who we are and what we've done. Gotcha. Well, to tell me, you know, I know by talking to a lot of manufacturers, there's often kind of unusual or special projects that sometimes get made, uh, you know, at request of customers or potentially new customers. Do you have a, any kind of out of the box kind of applications that you guys have been asked for recently? Other than the digital, really nothing uh, that's that's crazy uh, right now. We we have a uh, technology that actually our partner in uh, in Germany really enhanced. Uh, Restall Glassware is a is a provider out of Europe that we have a German line of glassware, but uh, it's called Smart Glass. And okay. what it is is you've you've seen the wine bottle that you can run your your phone over, right? And it'll it'll I think it's the three criminals or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But this has a chip embedded in the decoration. And what that can do is it can take you immediately to a website. You don't have to click on anything. It just, you hover over it, it pops it up. And this smart technology, we think, is something that uh, we've got to continue to refine how it gets on a, onto a glass. But what it can do is really enhance loyalty programs, yep. it can enhance uh, automatic feedback. Uh, you could use it. They have the technology where you actually have it, they have it in coasters where it will measure how the weight of your glass uh, and tell the uh, barkeep that, hey, you need another refill. Wow. Or in my case, three or four more refills. Well, can it but say I, if you've had too many? Going. It's like, yeah. I don't know, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to cut stop you off here. Right? Your phone shows a stop sign is what happens. <laughs> more for you. But, but that's uh, that's an exciting technology that we're, uh, we're interested in. But, you know, the biggest driver for us right now, Adam, is really our website. Our, we've we spent uh, quite a bit of time on enhancing our website really driving it to what we think is the forefront, uh, specifically for glass. Glass is a very tough item, uh, all the different variables, but our website can handle all that, can tell the customer all the different things that they can do. Uh, We tied that with a proprietary uh, software system in-house as far as our our manufacturing, and then uh, utilizing the Spiro CRM connected with that as well. We're really excited about the possibilities that we have to be able to scale to our customer, stay in contact with the customer, get uh, immediate feedback from the customer by tying all those technologies together. So we're excited about the customer experience that we can provide. 
Yeah. So when, when you think about the website project that you just went through, was the the goal to make it easier to place orders or to provide a bit bigger selection? Or what was the, the big goal that you were trying to achieve? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> Taking an order, number one, and, and bringing it into the system and being able to massage it because it's not like it's not like you're 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 calling up and you're ordering a pair of uh, black shoes. You're right. ordering a pair of shoes that could be two or three different colors. How you decorate it, all these different variables that go into it. So, providing our customer with all the possibilities that they could do was was number one because you know, fifteen hundred different SKUs embellishment types across the board. We do nucleation on glassware, which is a it's a laser, laser engraving in the bottom of the glass, which uh, releases the CO2 and the beer basically keeps it fresh. Uh, and you can do different designs and types of things like that in the bottom of the glass. All those things that we can add to the customer, the finishing services, the add-ons, the roll and banding on a T-shirt. So the shirt comes to them and, and, it's, and it's in a position that they can put it on the shelf and it's not, they don't have to fold it or anything like that. All these different types of things, providing that information to the customer was first and foremost in our mind. We've got to be able to tell them what we can do because you know, you, you don't want to have a customer you've been working with for eight years and they say, oh, you do T-shirts too? You know, you want to, yeah. you want them to know that within the first five minutes. So um, that's been a big part of what we're, we're, our website is able to do. And then to open up other channels for us, other markets as well. Uh, distillery market is something that we've moved into pretty heavy. Craft beverage is kind of what we we group it under your coffee houses, your local artisanal situations in the coffee, soda, kombucha, distillery. Those are primary markets that we're focused on as well as corporate. Uh, And and you've got to be able to show the customer what they can buy. But more specifically, you have to you have to give them a journey. Because if, if I go, I can't go into a store and buy something without my wife picking it out for me because there's too many selections, right? I don't know what looks good. And so we want our website, and she has style, I don't, that's the reason. But we want our website to be able to give a customer a journey of, let's say, um, you come in your startup brewery, you you have a delivered items that we know that startups love. Mm-hmm. You come back six months later, now you're, you're moving on. Here's some other items that we can do. So in different markets, distir- we want to show the distiller different products in the brewer. So right. uh, that's a big part of uh, the technology on our website as well. So so it sounds to me like I, I know a lot of people feel like they're competing kind of indirectly with Amazon all the time, right? Because <laughs> they're out there with so many products and they set yeah. expectations about the way that e-commerce should be. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, you're kind of in your market, you need to take it a lot more detail than what they're doing at Amazon because you've got all of these different options, different finishes, different digital files people can upload. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an order of degree more complicated than what I think that very, they're dealing with. Very, yeah, very, and that's yeah, that's really. I, I had friends of mine, that, you know, they'd ask me what I'm doing, and each year I'd say working on our website, and they're like, "How can it take that long?" And it's because of all the variables that went into it. All, all you're, you're you're right. Every item that we have can take different types of decoration, depending on what your decoration is, depending on the number of colors, depending on the locations on the glass, the apparel, the promotional items, all those things. There's so many things that go into that, that it's tough for us to be able to tell the customer everything they need to know, because we don't want somebody to give us something and and we say, oh, that looks terrible. And then when the customer gets it, they say, oh, that looks terrible. We want to say, hey, here's what we like to do to help this look better. The problem with that is, is everybody has these expectations delivered by Amazon who says, oh, you don't like it, send it back. 
well, you can't send back something that's custom. What am I going right, to do with right. it? Right? What am I going to do with all these classes that yeah, say, yeah, you know, Honig's Brewery, right? Yeah. yeah. And because they don't want me to sell them, right? Because they're not selling them. So it's something we battle with daily is the expectations. And I love having high expectations. We have high expectations for ourselves, but trying to help the customer get exactly what they want without taking up too much of their time because the other side of it is the customer doesn't want to talk to you. Amazon, you can just do it all digitally, right? Right. So uh, a lot of what we do, though, requires some kind of conversation. And, and, and there's a real trick. There's a fine line there trying to trying to walk that expectation that you're able to deliver it to them in an efficient manner that you didn't have to charge them so much because of all your time involved as well because sure. they don't want to pay that either. They're used to paying the lowest price on Amazon. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of battles there. Um, we meet weekly on it. Okay, what happened here? What can we change here? How's the process we can do differently here? What kind of information can we provide to the customer so they can make a, a better qualified decision? So, and it's a never You know, I think this is a really, really important point, Chris. I think that a lot of people, when they look at, okay, how do we set up our go-to-market, whether it's the website or through a sales team or what have you, they, they tend to look at it as sort of a static thing. And I really like hearing that you guys are constantly kind of thinking about that and refining it. Um, yeah. Especially as things change. We utilize a program as well on the site to, to watch uh, journeys. And if we see somebody getting hung up in a specific spot, we'll, we'll spend some time and try to analyze what, what was it that, that caused that issue. One of the things we found out right off the, out of the gates, uh, once we launched our, our site, uh, we called our digital print full color because that's full color. And sure. the customer thought that they could click full color and then select the colors that they wanted. And ah. so we've had to change that terminology to digital, hoping that the customer understands that digital means that it's all the colors in the spectrum. So, you know, watching those journeys, really trying to figure out. And then, you know, it's a lot of times it's six of one, half dozen of another, right? And you just got to find what fits the best. Uh, but I could drive myself crazy on the weekend, sitting there drinking a glass of scotch, watching your customer journeys <laughs> and just go like, man, I could be here for another six hours. So I, I try to only I try to limit myself to a few hours on the weekend for that. Right. Just between like uh, three and four o'clock in the afternoon, maybe. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Preferably. But understanding what the customer really wants is a, a challenge that almost everybody deals with. Right. And in your instance, you are now generating really good data about that. Because you can literally see, you know, how they're approaching the problem. Yeah. You also have a, an account management team, too, right, who, yep. who works with. So it's not all just e-commerce. How does that fit together with the website? It has to be. It, we want to speak to the customer. Uh, in the early stages of, of building our website, you, I found a few months in that the, the developer thought that we didn't want to speak to the website. So how do we, they're like, how do we make it so you never have to talk? I said, no, we want to talk to our customer. We want to build that relationship. And, and some customers don't want to do that. They want to have a verbal only or a, a digital only, but we want to have that relationship with the customer so that we can help them because there is so many items that we sell. And rarely do we run into somebody who's a merchandiser, right, that has that experience to know what to look for. So we want to be able to, to be able to talk to the customer, have that relationship, identify opportunities that, are, that maybe we're not going to deal with now, but we, we know that they're down the road and utilize the CRM tools to be able to, to give ourselves those reminders, to, to be able to give ourselves those drip campaigns to provide that customer further information along that line. So, you know, the relationship side of it is, is critical, we think. We, we do not want to be just a digital house. We want to be somebody who's speaking to our customer, mm -hmm. having conversations, understanding their business, 
understanding what their weak points are so that we can see if we, we can find a way to help them through that. Our uh, mission statement here is driving success through people and innovation. And we didn't say our success. Um, we want to drive customer success as well as our success because we know that we, for us to succeed, the customer has to succeed. So we don't want to just keep feeding them something that's not profitable for them. We want to be able to make sure that they're getting value out of it because then they're going to stay with us and then we're going to be successful as well. So uh, that relationship side of it's a huge thing for us. Right, right. And if they were just only digitally interacting with the firm, then, you know, it would be a lot harder to maintain that and establish the, the value. We have no loyalty, provide. right? They yeah. have no loyalty. If you're just a digital customer, I mean, you're going to bounce around. Now, why do, you, why, do you, why do you go to Amazon if you can buy it directly from the other player's site? Well, usually because now it, Amazon's made it so darn easy, right, to do that. But, but yeah, the relationship side of it, uh, look, in the apparel side, uh, anybody's going to sell a T-shirt for whatever you'll buy it for. I mean, most of the apparel industry doesn't understand their cost, so they'll undercut you all the time. So we have to do it through relationships. We have to do it through value. We have to do it through trust. At the end of the day, hope that those are the things that uh, keep somebody coming back to us. I would say, you know, just listening to the way you're talking about it, you know, having that relationship. I mean, the customers really value it as well, right? I mean, they they're essentially in their business because of their mission, you know, yeah. and that, you know, if you're supporting the mission, that really comes through to them. You um, know what, uh, Adam? One of the interesting things, the feedback that I get from from our salespeople talking to the customers is how important it is for the customer to know who their account manager is. That gets a little tough when you have 10,000 customers, <laughs> you know, you don't have 10,000 account salespeople, but they want to know that one person that they can go and talk to. So that tells me on one side of it that we're, we're succeeding by driving that relationship. Then when it comes up to us is how do you manage that? How do you manage that from a scale standpoint? Uh, and how do you make sure that the customer is getting that interaction that they want? They don't want just a faceless, nameless. They want They want to know who they're talking to. You know, that's a tough aspect of our business and, and one, quite frankly, that we're still trying to work our way through. Yeah, well, it sounds like, I mean, just from my casual observation, sounds like you guys are definitely making progress. And certainly compared to the organizations that I deal with, uh, you know, you have a lot better of a relationship with your customers than most. Uh, it's an always an ongoing thing. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Can't get too can't get too happy about it. No, let's, never. let's shift gears for a minute though, because uh, you know we're we're coming into uh, the beginning of a planning cycle for next year. Actually, now that it's where we are in the year, it's a little bit into the planning cycle. You know, a lot of companies I've been talking to have really been challenged to figure out how do we make a plan for next year, given everything that's been going on in the supply chain, whether it's been disruptions or interest rates or inflation. How do you think about that kind of challenge? Interestingly enough, um, my COO and I were just having lunch talking about the same thing. I mean, how do, how do you plan for us? Uh, first quarter is always a down quarter anyway, just because of the cycle of, of, of the nature of the craft beer business and, 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 and then other markets that we're involved in as well. Um, and so how do you plan for it? Uh, and then you, you, you take a look at the, um, uh, economic pressures that are going on as well right now. Uh, the energy issues we'll be having, uh, in, in, in the winter, inflationary dollars, uh, all those things. It's, Quite frankly, it's something that we have been talking about for, for months now, trying to get ready for first quarter, and we really haven't figured out exactly where we have to be. I hate being in a situation where you, 
I mean, you really literally have no idea what, what it's going to look like. Now, the problem for us, too, is, Adam, is coming out of COVID, you know, the whole world's been turned upside down anyway. And who, there's no way at the beginning of 21 that I would have thought that the latter half of 21 would have been our busiest time in five years. Nor would I have then in, in October of 21 told you that January through March of 22 would have been almost a 50% drop in business, you know, and, and, and how much of that's related to the Omicron variant, how much of that's related to everybody coming back and buying everything they could because there was no supply and, you know, and, and because they were shut down. And, and so it's like, where, where do you go right now? And, 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 you know, I, I think that our overall theme is, to try to be as prudent as possible, uh, make sure our people are in a position to be taken care of in the best manner possible. And, you know, if we get in a situation where we're under capacity or, or, or under capacity or over capacity, I mean, we, we don't have enough ability to produce, so be it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think that, I think we're going to take a pretty non-gambling approach to 23 and focus on our core yep. and, and, and focus on our core and focus on our technology so it doesn't come at a terrible time for us right now because we are try- we're, we're starting a whole lot of whole new programs based on the new website and the customer journey and all that. It is I've never in in been in business now 34 years. I've never had a time period where I just couldn't tell you. I mean, yeah. I really couldn't I just cannot tell you what 23 is going to be like. Yeah, no, it's 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 really going to be Interesting on one sense and, you know, complicated on the other. I remember in, you know, 2008, the business I was running at the time, we took a similar strategy. We said, well, we're not going to maximize the upside, but we're going to minimize the downside. Yep. That yep. was the strategy that we took. And so. I think that, you know, you have to right now because you just, there's so many variables in play that you don't have control over. And that's the thing that, I, that's why I got into business for myself because I wanted to be in control. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah, I yeah. wanted to be, you know, have my destiny a little bit. And right now it's like, you have no idea what's going to happen. But, you know, look, we are, we want to take care of our people. We want to take care of our customers. We want to be in a position that, that we can do it and not be in a high risk situation. I think that's, that's how we'll move forward. Yeah. You remind me of something that my friends always say to me, they were like, well, you're the CEO, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, no, that's not at all the way this works. You know, <laughs> yeah. we've got customers, we've got employees, we've got yeah. shareholders, well, like can, other you people. You take off, Adam, if you wanted to leave from <laughs> three to five, you can do that just as long as you're willing to work from 12 to three in the morning. Exactly. You know, that's how that deal works. You got all yeah. the control in the world you want, right? <laughs> I, I, I can get, whatever kind of coffee I want. There's no question about that. Yes, exactly. Well, Chris, this is, this has been super interesting. I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's, it's really interesting to hear about, you know, kind of going from printing to these more technologically advanced areas, glassware, the, the different, uh, you know, ways that you're approaching that, getting your perspective on this website. I mean, you call it a website project, but it's really like a customer engagement process, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how you guys are, you know, kind of battling the the Amazon effect, if you will, by, you know, really allowing people to get specific for with what they need. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't recommend it at home, but, but for, for other leaders who are willing to dive into the data and understand like the journey of the customer, that can be so powerful. Yeah. I mean, we do that all the time in our product, but it's great to hear you're doing that as well. Um, and I, I really wish the best for you, uh, you know, in the new year, we're all kind of 
watching and waiting a little bit. So hopefully we'll, uh, everything will come together for us this year. But I really appreciate your joining us, Chris. And, you know, for those of you who are at home thinking, where can I find more episodes of the Make It, Move It, Sell It podcast? Well, you can find them at Spiro.ai backslash podcast, of course, on Spotify or Amazon podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And why don't you, you know, subscribe. And if you think the conversation that Chris and I was having, maybe, you know, was pretty good, maybe give us a like or a thumbs up or something like that. I don't know, Chris, do you think they should do that? Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on, Adam. No, it's it's been great. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for listening. We look forward to talking to you at the next episode.